0: Welcome to So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. I'm your host, Blake Collier, and with me tonight is the indubitable Joe George. How are you doing, Joe?
1: I'm impressed that you've changed to indubitable. I was about to feel uncomfortable with how you're going to objectify me with the term <laughs> In- <laughs> indubitable great. Thank you. Thanks, hey. Blake.
0: Well, I mean, really, of, of the two of us, who, who are people less likely to doubt?
1: I have no idea how to answer that question, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Can Continue, sir.
0: Okay, okay. So today's episode is one of our wild cards where we get the honor of interviewing, or if you will, baptizing our newest convert into the gospel of Gross Point Blank. This may sound sacrilegious, and it probably is, but really it's Joe and I attempting to experience this film anew vicariously through the eyes of a new viewer to get that rush back. And we are so happy to have Mike Jordan-Lasky as our newest member. Welcome, Mike.
2: Hey, thanks, guys. Nice to be with you. This was yeah. the first time I've ever been uh, invited onto a podcast because I tweeted something, uh, and then all of a sudden I had been invited, and uh, I thought it, I thought it was a joke, as did most people when I told them about it. But when I found out it was real, I was very
1: excited.
0: So
2: thrilled, Wonderful. thrilled to be here.
0: Well, I, I was I was actually about to ask you that, is, you know, because I basically hooked you on Twitter through the equivalent of a cold call uh, tweet, <laughs> and so uh, I wanted I wanted to know how random that experience was for you.
2: Yeah. So, no, I, I told like everyone about that uh, right after. So I, cl- I started with my my wife and I said, you're never going to believe what happened. And she's like, well, you say that to me like all the time. And usually your stories aren't that interesting. And I said, no, no, this one is like out of left field crazy. Um, and so I explained that I had tweeted about it and all of a sudden had been invited to a podcast. That's not a movie podcast. That's not like a music and movies podcast. It's not a John Cusack podcast. It is a podcast. It's only about this single movie uh, that they somehow make like every week. And then, I don't know, she thought that was hilarious. And then I told other friends and they're just like, you have to go on. And I was like, oh yeah, no, immediately for sure I'm going on. Um, Because so I, I also host a podcast and like randomly ask people to come on. And so when I was invited, uh, I thought, well, one, that was an honor too. I love the kind of deep focus. I was an English major and I love like looking at something very closely. That's how I would avoid like reading long books in, in college is, like, because when you're an English student, you can write on like one sentence in a book. So that's what I, all my papers, I'd be like, I'm going to write about, go really deep into this one sentence or one paragraph. That's a good way of avoiding reading the whole book.
0: You are going to fit really well on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no. So
2: I, <laughs> Again, they so the close magnifying glass on a single thing. I think that's that's a lot of fun.
0: So, well, and you know the the great irony of the podcast is that we actually don't spend a whole lot of time talking about gross point blank itself. These are the yeah. actual times when we get to talk about it specifically. Um, that and the analysis minute by minute analysis episodes. Everything else is kind of just context. So, um, yeah, it's it, it, it was. It's fun for me to, like, just find uh, people who have just watched it and be like, hey, you want to come on? And sometimes I get nothing back, and and sometimes I get Mike Jordan-Lasky. So,
1: <laughs> so. It's a unique form of cyber-stalking that Blake does. It really does. is. And really thank you for participating in it
0: and thank you for not being terrified uh, oh no process.
2: this is the way the this is the way the internet works yeah. this is the beauty of the internet right this <laughs> is, is like it. the good that can come
1: out of it yep exactly <laughs> this is exactly. the only good that can come out of it maybe extremely niche <laughs> guess that...
0: uh that's that may be forgotten in you know 50 years but it was fun in the process <laughs> <laughs> if <laughs> if you can, you can, i was wow. gonna say if you can make it like
2: two months you're doing pretty yeah, yeah no we'll kidding take
0: it. we'll take it Jeez. So, uh, so Mike, do you mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure. Um, so, my name, as you said, is Mike Jordan Lasky. That, that's because my wife's middle name is Jordan. When we got married, um, I said I, I'd like to take your last name as a second middle name as a sign of unity. And she said, oh, that's so sweet. But mostly it's because it lets me be Michael Jordan, which is awesome. <laughs> um, so going on nine years of being Michael Jordan now, we have three kids, five and under, which is mayhem. Uh, the oldest has just had her second day of in-person kindergarten uh, after being online only. Uh, we live near DC in, in Maryland. Uh, I work in, in DC when I'm in the office for um, the Jesuits, which is, who is a group of Catholic priests who run uh, a bunch of high schools and universities most famous of which probably like Georgetown, Boston college, Gonzaga, if you're a college basketball fan. Uh, and so just do like social media, uh, a podcast for them called AMDG, which stands for uh, our Latin motto. Can I say, can I speak Latin on the podcast? Oh, is so that cool. Yeah. Yeah. So AMDG, which stands for odd Maiorem Dei glorium, which means for the greater glory of God, which is the motto of the Jesuits. Mm-hmm. So that's our podcast, um, which people can get wherever they listen to podcasts. And, uh, we also run a website, social media, all that, that fun stuff. Um, so yeah, really, really like that work. Awesome. We have people over the world. Yeah. So that's great. And, um, yeah. And, uh, don't really get to watch many movies because we usually fall asleep within the first few minutes of, <laughs> of things after the kids are in bed. Uh, but did watch this movie lately and in its entirety. Okay.
1: Beautiful. Which raises the question. Why, <laughs> why, why, why now this, why movie? now? Yeah, yeah. Why
2: like 24 years yeah. after camera, um, well, it's on Amazon Prime now. Yeah. I think, right? You guys, if you're tracking this, I think that's where it was. It was on a service. I'm not sure if it had been on that service and like the free, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it popped up there, which I wonder if that will lead to more people. You're finding more people who are seeing this for the first time. Yeah. It tends so, to
1: make the rotations, I, uh, yeah, I find. Yeah, yeah. Like it's on Amazon for a little bit, then it'll pop up on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And,
0: and then it'll be yeah. on HBO Max for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure.
2: Yeah. So it was on one of those and it was one of those nights of like scrolling and not wanting to like get Mm -hmm. into a show just to find a movie and Mm -hmm. seeing if we could actually make it an hour and a half or whatever. And then I (laughs) saw and I knew like I had heard of it so many times, uh, but I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know who was Mm -hmm. in it. I didn't know anything about it at all, but I knew I had heard of it and that people liked it. But like I, for me, it felt like oh, this is from the '90s. It's probably dated feeling. But then I saw, I looked it up really quick, as you do when you're. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh wait, John Cusack's in this. I love John Cusack. How do I not know that he's in this? It seems like oh, it's a dark comedy. There's he's an assassin. Let's let's just try it, and we'll see how it goes. Because my wife and I like she's a huge like action thriller. Okay. She's a very peaceful person, but like her movie <laughs> tastes have run exclusively toward like violent uh, mm-hmm. shoot 'em up type things. So it's like, oh, you have this. I like the kind of moodier comedy, dark comedy thing. I, Again, love John Cusack. So it's like this seems like a good, a good combo. So we we just tried it, and then like immediately we were hooked and in. Um, and so we 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 did make it uh, all the way through. And uh, yeah, and totally loved it. And we'll be revisiting certainly.
1: Oh, but both of you loved it. It, it did hit both those.
2: Yeah, I it think sucks. I yeah, yeah, I think so. again, because it has a lot of those those things in it, and it's just like so ridiculous. Um, yeah, because you get again like that kind of gen X, like the malaise, the ennui, the like what what am I gonna do with my life? I'm kind of aimless and drifting, but then also I'm a professional serial killer. And I just love that is so it's so ridiculous that like he keeps saying it over and over again, right? He's mm-hmm. telling people who he's meeting at his reunion or whatever that like that's what he does for a living, and no one no one takes him seriously, but he like tells them all like you know very plainly in the great john cusack way of just like saying it uh and no one believes them so it i think we kind of says a stand-in for the audience that way like
0: so, yeah. so you watched it all at one in in one sitting you watched it with your wife give us like did you watch it at your house on a big screen tv like what, what, what was yeah no
2: we do our exclusive is watching is like we fall into bed and have the laptop and you know and okay. I think we watched we might have watched it in two nights. I don't even remember, yeah like every day is blurring together. It might have been over two viewings no, because usually one it. of us is falling you know asleep no matter like what we try. so yeah, no, not like a not an ideal viewing scenario besides the no. fact that we are can immediately transition to um sleeping uh after watching something so um yeah, not a not a strong setup for that, and which is too bad because the music is so good, which is another another <laughs> topic too, but like the great soundtrack. Um. So yeah. So that, oh, yeah. that's that's our setting.
0: Sweet. We'll get into the soundtrack. Don't. Worry. I don't doubt it. I don't <laughs> doubt it. Um. So give us your general impressions, thoughts, feelings about the film. Just, just let it all out. Like, what, what do you think of it?
2: Yeah. So I think, like, well, for one, uh, so many great performances and great actors. So many of my favorite actors are in it. So like you, right there. You have like a great setup, which I feel like the movie title was first. And then they decided like, oh, let's like make a play on this random, like upscale suburb of Detroit gross point. And then like, oh, the phrase point blank. Uh, so let's put those together. And then from there, the way like the onion, they start with the headline and then they write the story. It's like yeah, yeah. we have the title. Now we got to build a movie around this, but like with like the, the people they are working with there, you could just let them go um, and have fun. So I love like from the start, you get like, know uh, John Cusack and his character like in the um his work but then like his relationship with his sisters his character which I always love the two of them together because you know they have such a great rapport um so that's a, a great setup and then of course you get like dana Ackroyd right off the bat too right um so uh you have just like great you have the great uh, characters there uh of like your main characters um and then you get to meet, love interest mini driver now so i looked this up and i realizing again because you're reading wikipedia as you're watching i don't know if you do this but that like so this 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 comes out the same year as goodwill hunting which it feels like a different world to me from Good Will Hunting. Like this feels like this belongs to an earlier era, maybe because it's like looking back like this, you know, it's this 10 year reunion. So it's really kind of, even though it's set in the nineties feels more eighties music is eighties. The vibe is eighties, John Q Mr. Eighties, but like, and whereas Good Will Hunting, the guys are young as they're making that. It feels like they feel younger, but I don't know. I just feel like many drivers just like, this is her best movie of 1997. Like, I feel like uh, this is more fun than Good Will Hunting. Yo, yo. So she's, like, super totally charming uh, in her, like, what a great job that would be, like, to sit in this amazing studio on this beautiful, like, main street and just sit and, like, talk into the microphone and play good music like that. I mean, that's, like I artists. guess, is, uh, yeah, and be, yeah, exactly. And, like, no one seems to care and yeah. just just hanging out. Um,
1: and yet has enough listeners to stay in business. I mean, we can talk on microphones, say whatever we want. Exactly. And we do, yeah. But nobody cares or listens. So, right. It is the full dream.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, yeah. So again, these old days, these you know, radio days, whatever that is. But um, so and then their like their chemistry, uh again, because you have like this these two things running at the same time, which are like the nice romantic comedy, like uh John Cusack is kind of despised by parents and like you know, a sad, sack guy, but also sensitive and but then also he's like shooting people. So like that, I mean, um, one of my, my favorite scenes that like kind of brings those together is like when he goes back to his childhood house, right? He just arrived, he's like looking around Well, the site of his childhood house, right? He goes and it's like turned into a convenience store. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. And then he goes in and he's like talking to the, the guy there and is like yelling at him about like when this when this <laughs> happened. you
0: think you are?
2: Right, yeah. So like that whole scene is a like classic angry John Cusack <laughs> um i feel like his the self-righteousness from like his character and high fidelity or whatever like those things he just like nails he's just doing this but then all of a sudden the place is like blowing up (laughs) um like he rushes the guy out and you know and then who yeah who is you know like the the kind of like these smaller characters who pop in too like are just so like random and delightful like what are you doing here like the um you know you have like uh who is, so you have H- Hank Azaria is one who's, like, yeah. tracking him, and who is his, like, who is his other
0: Jeremy Piven guy? Is, is his best friend. is his buddy, right, yeah, but yeah. Hank
2: Azaria's with someone else, right? There's uh, two of them. Uh, K-Todd
1: yeah. Freeman. Yeah.
2: yeah, 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 okay, yeah, so these two, like, you have these two, you have the other guy who blows mm-hmm. them up, like, who blows up the place, which is, like, another yep. Kate, right, these other, yep. yeah, so, like, and then, like, the Jeremy Piven, his friends from high school, totally, like, really kind of surreal scenes with some of those guys. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, that was some of the stuff too that like made the thing if it was not as straight ahead as it seems like, Oh, it's just like a funny like mashup of this guy who is an assassin and goes home. So it's like the romantic comedy eighties vibe thing with like the assassin movie. But then you have like these scenes with the guy who's like the rent a cop um, in like the nice neighborhood. And then every scene Jeremy Pivens in and the scene at like at the dance itself that are just like, they feel totally like kind of surreal. Do you get that sense too? Like they, like the, like especially these Jeremy Piven interactions like mm-hmm. there's like weird it's like they're a little bit weird in a way that I I thought it was interesting.
1: Yeah. I always well, found those a little especially the, the stuff with Piven um kind of the opposite for me uh, it was I always felt really lived in and 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 re- realistic isn't quite the right word but there's a verisimilitude within that world that if somebody did live in this version of Gross Point in which a a uh, best friend from high school disappears for a decade and then just shows up again, I would react like Jeremy Piven did. That's that you're right, that there's something surreal about it, but there's also, yeah, that's the real human emotion in that moment. And, and that's what I've always kind of liked about, about the film is that f- for me, it, it runs less of an eighties vibe, even though I, I see definitely what you're saying, it's more of a uh, post Pulp Fiction black comedy uh, vibe that comes you know, out of the 90s there where there's all sorts of edgy, bad comedy. And and most of them are terrible. These mm-hmm. edgy murder comedies, like Very Bad Things and uh, was it, Ten Heads in a Duffel Bag and, and those sorts yeah. of things. All terrible garbage. And one of the ways that this avoids that trap is exactly the sort of stuff you're talking about, is that it has all this room for extra characters and weird human interactions that... I think feel ab- absurd simply because they're happening within an absurd world, but mm-hmm. most of them, with the exception of, of, uh, of Dan Aykroyd ring true to me, Dan Aykroyd, I have no <laughs> idea what he's doing in this movie, but that's, that's a point where we differ.
0: I mean, what well, you would say that ultimately this movie is what, what diff- makes it differ from like the, the pulp fictions and the, and the really bad versions that came after it is that this one's good hearted at its very base. Like it's just yeah. this weird, like, it's got violence in it, but it's it's at the base. It's about relationships. It's about this guy trying to figure out who he is, what his life is going to become, and and what it means to be human again. Because he's basically just a machine when, when we first meet him. And so, um, you know, whatever gets that heart pumping again—that's that's the big question: is is it actually going to happen, or is he just going to continue on being this kind of non-entity? so yeah.
1: well the question of responsibility which we've talked about before mm-hmm. the it's not me uh, mm-hmm. refrain that gets gets carried out through there if, if it's not him who's doing these who is it actually and his kind of movement into responsibility from everything from the people he's killing to the girl he stood up in high school you know mm-hmm. all of those have to kind of come together
2: yeah right you kind of have to like, he has to like you see the way he kind of separates what he's what his career is from, like you know, who he thinks he is, right? Is this like, oh, this is just a way to make money, and there's nothing, there's no, like no like moral code here. Like, there's nothing I have to examine until he's like, wow. you know, faced with those. Like, well, what kind of a life do you want? Like, how yeah. is it? Like, how is it that you? What is the most important thing to you? And it's kind of if it's you can't like keep those things together, then you're gonna have to, you know, have like a existential crisis in some ways, which is um, exactly
1: what it is. Yeah. yeah,
2: right. So the Dan Aykroyd, you 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 guys disagree <laughs> on Dan Aykroyd's character? Is, uh,
0: well, I. I, I I'm not sure we disagree. I, I, I think he doesn't bother me as much as Joe. Uh, so
1: <laughs> he just he, he's he's like a one of his Senate Live characters coming in out of nowhere. He's he's too big for the rest of the movie. Mm. I mean, I, I I've come in the process of watching this movie three billion times more than I had before we started. <laughs> I've come around to appreciate some things like his popcorn bit where. <laughs> that he that he does on uh, Martin's chest and there's little moments but overall no it doesn't work for me D- but he works okay for you Mike
2: well again for me it's another one of those things that like does not feel in character for me like to think of Dan Aykroyd as like the another kind of paid assassin yeah. uh the kind of cold-blooded it's like so like that i just i love that because it doesn't fit um and then the like the whole him trying to like essentially start a union like those like discussions they have which felt like they kind of felt like they were riffing i, I imagine it was all scripted but it like had that that feel that um like two you know chicago guys uh having having fun there yeah. so like, yeah you got you had like the sense of them having fun with that which which i liked Um, But I, I definitely I like in terms of like those kind of the older actors supporting roles alan arkin's character who we haven't talked about at all i like more uh Mm -hmm. so i thought was also just a riot dr oatman um (laughs) which which reminded me kind of reminded me like the what about bob relationship between uh bill murray's character bob and uh richard dreyfuss's psychologist right i guess uh such a great film yeah Yeah. another one (laughs) that that is another one maybe i'm going to do that i'm going to start a what about bob Podcast Do is it. just about what about there Bob? you go. Just you, you have a few
0: people that would co- definitely come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're suckers for minute niche things that nobody else cares about. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, 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 Oatman's my favorite character in the movie. I, I think that performance is hilarious, and you're, you're exactly right. It's it's a 180 from what Dan Aykroyd's doing. You know, I, I think he's hitting all those funny notes, but just pulled back and relaxed relax isn't quite the right word but he's not overselling even when he's getting upset about martin (laughs) threatening him you know and and jokes it's 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 the best part of the movie for me
0: so so that brings us to the to, to, to the to the next thing um what would you say are some of your favorite scenes and or pieces of dialogue
2: Oh, gosh. Um, we should have done this right after we watched it. Um, so, okay, favorite scene. So I mentioned the one, the, like, the blow up of his former house mm-hmm. scene, which is awesome. They're, like, first seen on the radio when, like, he comes in to, like, you know, confront her after all these years. And she, like, just immediately thinks, like, oh, we got to get this on tape. We're going to get this out to people listening now and the way that she makes them do that. Um, I don't know. I thought that was a great introduction of her character and was hilarious. Um the, the scene at the, the, like, the craziness at the, um, again, at the uh, reunion itself is so wild to me, yeah. um, where, like, you have, again, weird things going on with some of these old classmates, and then, like, obviously, the kind of, one of, like, what feels like it's going to be, oh, it's just going to be the big uh, kind of confrontation in the, you know, the hallway, which ends very quickly. Um, and again, for me, it's like, this is, that for me felt like a kind of a, such a weird but great scene, uh, but then of course, like obviously, like the climactic scene, like in the the house when he's like trying to win Debbie over and like protect her and her father while also like fighting off uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, just hilarious. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just so many. Though again, each of the the little things, um, I think that the movie it moves because it just feels like each each scene itself is like was set up uh, to like let the performers like just go and do the, like what they do best.
0: Okay, um, yeah it almost feels like it's designed to be that kind of film like to to basically just get as many quotable lines in the script as possible to keep yeah, it. so like what
2: what are like what are some of the quotes that like are famous i'm trying to think like what are people like go to like do you guys uh, use it in, when, you, when you like quote the movie in conversation with each other or other people <laughs> who have watched it, other uh, things you-
0: i tend to like to to pull out the uh the line from uh, when he's talking talking to Dr. Oatman, um, and he says, "All these people have lives and kids and families." And what am I going to say? I killed the president president of Paraguay with a fork. How have you been? You know, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> right.
1: So, that Oatman's what was that? That wasn't meant to make me feel good. That, <laughs> yeah, that was, that's a mundane line, but that one always kills me. Uh, shoot, what was it? Oh, we do um, uh, this is us breathing or yeah I, I love the bully when he pulls out the poems and just says these are my words that's ones that
2: oh yeah so that's another <laughs> moment that's like yeah. totally
1: random like, where <laughs> yeah. is that coming from yeah that's another one of those again <laughs> he's it was that,
2: which
0: guy he's like the car dealer owner guy right or is that someone else
1: i'm blinking on his with, with, whatever the one, yeah, the one did, friend yeah, yeah.
0: the, the beamer the beamer beamer uh yeah, uh yeah, dealer yeah, yeah. <laughs> right like that's again, yeah. yeah, that's an example to me. Like, what is going on here? There's like
2: some yeah. weird stuff happening. <laughs> uh like what's the point of that? What is the point of that scene?
0: I do. It kind of shows, it, it shows yeah. it. I oh, thought he was ahead. gonna
2: kill him, right? Well, I thought he was gonna yeah. kill him. Yeah. And then Debbie would get mad. But like he is just <laughs> very he's very kind in diffusing it. Yeah. And uh then Debbie like sees him doing that. So maybe like that kind of shows some of his humanity.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it, I think that's it, part of it. And it's also a gives
1: it, say that again.
0: And, and, and he's not a job either. Like right. he's, he's not paid. He's not going to kill anyone unless he gets paid.
1: So. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a little bit, I mean, his body language in that scene I, I, is fantastic because mm-hmm. he's, he's got that sort of worried. I might have to pull a gun on you sort of look and where's this thing going? You know, he's he's yeah. got the one hand out there um, and he's pulled back there near the gun and, um, and it, it, it kind of serves, I, I think what you guys are all saying is, is spot on and also sort of a, a kind of a reminder of, of the, the violence of the world in which they live, which is his worldview, right? It doesn't really matter if he kills people for money because everybody, when you go up farther, uh, you know, uh, up the chain enough, eventually you're killing somebody for money. That's just the way that it goes, you know, and, um, for a second there, that feels like a validation of that worldview that even here at the stupid high school reunion, he's going to have to deal with somebody who he might have to kill, or at least is going to try to hurt him in some way. And then it, like you say, it becomes absurd, but kind of a humane absurd. But anyway, that's when I'm an English teacher in, in my day job. And so when I have to pull out a reading, I'll often preface it to the, uh, bewilderment of my students these are my words and so that's when i got on
2: nice
0: oh that's uh, great i find myself using probably more often than i should uh, dumb fucking luck <laughs> so-,
1: <laughs> so you just say that so we can get the explicit tag on this episode. i know
0: amen to that right <laughs>
1: <laughs> look going blue and edgy is not the way we're going to get listeners blake
0: Actually, I think this is the first time we've cussed on this podcast. <laughs> and it was a line from the Sir, movie,
1: so... Sir, I do not cuss. It is the first time <laughs> you have cussed. Uh, I'm, looking at the,
2: I'm looking at the quotes right now on IMDb. Oh, if moments. I show up
1: at your door, chances are you did something to bring me there, which isn't as is funny, but... Uh, it is one for those of us that are trying to talk seriously sometimes about this movie <laughs> that we devoted an entire freaking podcast to hey, well, very quickly, a loaded line. But yeah. He very
2: quickly, I feel like he uses that and like the whole, that whole vision to like very quickly win Debbie back over. Right. It's just yeah. like, look, like here, here are all these ways. that it, like, mm-hmm. it perfectly, perfectly makes sense. You know, it's not, not a problem.
0: I'm not a psychopath. I do this for money. Wait, right, it's a job.
2: Yeah. I see that one. Yeah. It's a job. Right. Um. Yeah, but no, again, I love all the conversations that he's having with his sister
0: uh,
2: about this and setting it up, and her like pushing him to go. Um, All those lines are great. Yeah, I I have a John Cusack, uh, my one John Cusack uh, in real life run-in. Do you want to hear that story? Oh, yes, absolutely. yeah. So, um, I just kind of split, put like, I put it up front, but anyway, I had a friend in college, uh, who his family had Cubs season tickets in Chicago, like for mm-hmm. generations. So they're right behind the Cubs dugout and I'm, we're there one night and like, right. As the Cubs are leaving the dugout to like high five, like to go, to go run out into the field. One of the players leans over the dugout right toward us. But then is like high-fiving this guy sitting two seats down. Like, what is this player doing? And he like runs out into the outfield and I turn and it, 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 Sure enough, it's John Cusack and had, um, he had like a, uh, his motorcycle helmet, and he was with a, a woman who had a motorcycle helmet. And then, like during the game, I would just be like, instead of watching the game, kind of watching the seat he would do. And they were going to leave, like I think they actually stayed toward the end. But at one point, she like left and like came back and had purchased like a, a Cubs hat from the souvenir stand. I was like, I wonder why she's getting this now. And I guess it was because he didn't bring. He had like this motorcycle helmet, but otherwise, like wasn't wearing that around, and so. Was afraid of being recognized, and so like when he was ah. leaving, he, he grabbed it and just like yanked it over his eyes, and then like they made their escape because it's such a packed in stadium, yeah, uh, that like it's hard to avoid. And he's
1: such a big local
2: celebrity, but I, anyway, he was there on a random summer evening game, so I was uh happy to sit two seats away.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. that's cool, but, and that's that's way better than getting him yelling at you about politics on Twitter, which is, is true. The <laughs> most common John Q Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: yelling anymore. at you and uh, uh, you know, he tw- you re- politics with <laughs> misspellings all over the place that's right well he
2: retweeted uh he retweeted us the 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 the, the people i work for like oh, really? we get some wow. celebrities so like mia Farrow retweeted us recently but he did like a few months ago he did oh that's um, awesome and so like i took a screenshot of that you know you got to save that for uh because like well you know yeah we have people who are working on different social justice things that you mm-hmm. get excited about yeah. um so yeah that was a random online one we should see this is when uh we got to like you got to think about like following up from that like hey thank you for that mention um mm-hmm. why, don't, why don't you come on this podcast and talk about the, this movie you made 24 years ago yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you no know, like my big question is why haven't this so you get so many of these origin story remakes right like you have mm-hmm. whether well, it's the prequels which i get, i generally do not like i think the whole thing is kind of you know tired when you're like oh can we just do a gritty remake
1: yeah right right like a, a gritty origin story <laughs> yeah. of
2: like one of the characters from Scooby Doo, right? They're doing that for <laughs> Velma or something. But like yes. this, this feels like you could do. You probably have to get a new actor, but you could do a like high school army, whatever. Like you could do the his origin story because some of it it seems like kind of he doesn't really get into it. He just kind of lays this thing out there. He like, yeah. Why did he, he join the army? He kills people. Like, where? How did he get into this? So I feel like you could. I'm sure there's been fanfic written about this, but I it, that just seems like it could be such a uh, you know at least for at least fun.
1: Uh You know, they, they turned a uh, high fidelity into a TV show that lasted for one season. That's on right. Movies. So it, that got maybe pretty good reviews. Or was, yeah, I, I never saw it, but I, I, I heard it was great. Yeah. Yeah. So I could definitely see this falling into one of those prestige cable ask TV shows as well.
2: Now that we've said it, we put it out into the
1: universe. Yeah, that's right. Just it's gonna like happen, like that's right? You guys I'll, are gonna I'll, get brought I'll, on as the like short it. consultants. <laughs>
0: Actually, you know, you know, more than more than anything, if we just became the like the host for the companion podcast, we that's we would be right. happy. Exactly. So, <laughs> right, well, our yeah, we're after new.
1: gross chat yeah. special after exactly. every episode where we have to gush about how great <laughs> that was. Yeah. No, I think.
2: Yeah, I don't know. You, you all these things are cyclical, right? Because it's like each generation they remade Jumanji. Because, Mm -hmm. like, all the people who liked Jumanji and they were kids got to the age where they could make movies and, like, oh, let's go do that thing. So now this is. Being as old as it is, which again, like ninety-seven, doesn't feel that long ago, but the movie itself feels yeah. like from a different, yeah, yeah,
0: from a different era. Yeah, yeah,
2: no, that is definitely true. Are we gonna talk about?
1: Yeah. The, can we talk about the soundtrack? Oh yeah, of course. No. Let's yeah, do it. it. Yeah. yeah. So, so what? So, so what'd you like on the soundtrack? What'd so like? the
2: thing about the soundtrack is interesting to me is that like I play a little guitar, not mm-hmm. that well, but and like uh "Blister in the Sun" by Violent Femmes is one that's like really easy to play. So I played that since I knew how to play guitar. So mm-hmm. that song comes on. My immediate instinct was like, oh, this feels like a little cliche but now I'm thinking maybe it's cliche because they made this song big again Like I, I don't know how big <laughs> it was but like when you when you go on the Wikipedia page for the song it's like the use in that movie gets like two. I guess they made a different version of it uh, mm-hmm. Blister 2000 yep. yeah exactly which mm-hmm. I haven't heard yet unless it's it, it in the, not it in bad. the
0: movie mm, vaguely no. if, if, if at all
2: they didn't end up using no. it though no no,
0: no, no it's right problem,
2: yeah. but it exists yeah. Um, yeah. but uh, yeah so like so that just again in terms of using the music to like set the, the fact that we're here but we're like listening to that stuff nostalgically um, mm-hmm. and then like you know so again the, the I saw that too that they've released like two volumes of the soundtrack so just mm-hmm. great tunes all around um, and then like so Joe Strummer was involved too like what, mm-hmm. what did he do did he like curate it or did he like write stuff for it? I, I He do... No so,
0: Joe, so John Cusack actually curated the whole soundtrack uh, okay. for this and High Fidelity both sure um, and then Joe Strummer did inst- incidental music oh really um, I didn't realize yeah. that I didn't even know he did that uh, uh i'm not entirely sure he does it very often if at all outside of this film
1: so huh. uh he did it he, he um uh oh no i'm sorry i'm mixing up he's done it for jim jarmusch movies oh, okay um that mystery train has uh joe strummer he so was he, kind of in a screen he's, he's around a class oh <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Well. yeah
1: yeah yeah I, I know there's some other ones that 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 he did around that time but i mean before he died of course sure, shortly, right. shortly shortly after about five what was that 2003 2004 mm-hmm. when he died something around there um so that was a thing he was doing around that time yeah um and, and i think so as, as, as i'm guessing i'm the resident old in this conversation since i was let's see uh, i was 19 and 97 and working with uh With people that I thought were much cooler than me who were like five or six years older. Um, This soundtrack was their like nostalgia. Sure. It was Mm -hmm. their version of like the Forrest Gump soundtrack was for my parents, like that sort of thing, you know? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that. I mean, I was familiar with Blister in the Sun uh, in, in high school. So I don't know that it so much went away before the movie came back, but the entire thing captured for folks that were in their 20s at this time like just exactly what their high school experience and they would throw it on there to simultaneously relive those but to also indoctrinate people like me who (laughs) thought that they were the coolest people in the world you know when I I, so many mixtapes I got out my way out Mm -hmm. of this just starting with this one you know. yeah, so the, the the clash. Who else is in there? Um,
0: Violet Femmes,
1: like you said. Uh, uh, we spent a lot of time with Johnny Nash, uh, who's the first yeah. guy that you hear. That a little bit incongruous as far as the uh, mm-hmm. eighties hip bands go. Right, but,
2: I can see clearly now. You got the yeah. Under Pressure from David Bowie. Oh, Queen. Yep. David Queen. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep.
2: Los Fabulosos Cadillacs. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: You got the specials, you got uh, oh, that's right, specials. echo and the bunny men, pixies, yep. absolute yep. beginners, yeah. Yeah, so
2: again, all stuff that like I as a music fan did not grow up with, but like have come yeah. to like mm-hmm. after. Yeah. So yeah, it's not like it's not nostalgic for me when I hear it that way, but it does that job of like setting it, you know, the way that movies that are now made that are set. And when I was in high school, they when they pick really good things. I love it when they pick things that are not like the most expected, but when you hear it, it just like yeah, it transports you. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And for what I understood, this transported those folks like this was as somebody who was slightly younger than them. This was the yeah. album that they give me to be like, this is what it was like, you know, when music was good. <laughs> that's that sort of thing. So which I mean, fits the theme, right? That's that's I mean, Cusack, like you said, uh, curated it. Uh, he and his buddies had a strong hand in revising the movie and mm-hmm. bringing all those dialogue elements into it. I mean, that's what partially what he's trying to do in the movie is tell us what it was like
2: in. So again, I do feel like so often, like the music of your childhood, even when it's bad, is like, yeah. or when of your formative years, you still have that, like, you know, you will argue for that movie, like uh, music. Like, so I will argue for like Hootie and the Blowfish, even though I know it's terrible. Right. But like I was at the, that it was, I was like, whatever, nine, 10, like with my first yeah. cassettes. So that like, yeah. has like all those connections and I hear it and it brings you there, even though you can also admit, like, no, this probably wasn't, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. this <not, laughs> is not great. Yeah. But I, it you know, it means something to me and like I will play it for my children and like I will make sure they understand. But yeah. like for them it doesn't mean anything. So yeah, when I hear like the Bengals who are on on this, you know, yeah. I, it, I was like, that doesn't do anything for me. I'm sorry. But yeah. I understand that it's important. Well,
0: and, and and for like me, I, I think you and I are, are fairly similar age wise. Um, is that this is less about nostalgia from a lived experience, but more a nostalgia for a ideal of a time period. Because I I was born in early 80s, but I wasn't really cognizant of anything in the actual 80s. I was more cognizant in the 90s of music and and culture and things like that. So this is more like when I hear the soundtrack, I I think more of the idea in my head of what the 80s were like.
2: So, Right, sure. But you see, like, so he and Cusack, again, High Fidelity is one of my favorite novels and and movies, Mm -hmm. which not to get us away from... The topic at hand but you see like he has that whole thing the whole movie is him like going back mm-hmm. going back in time and like looking at his life long ago and seeing where he made mistakes like mm-hmm. can can he reclaim something from like his glorious past and then realizing maybe it wasn't so glorious and this is the same <laughs> which is like talking about poison of nostalgia right is that you can go back and like i want to be exactly the same as it was and recapture that you know, that moment and he has like that, you know, that desire to to do that, um, but then realizes that it's not so neat. Like you can't just like waltz back in, you know, I think it is amazing. Like how clearly like traumatized people were that he had just mm-hmm. like had vanished. Uh, but yeah. like them having to dig into that and him having to face that. Um yeah. So that's a really interesting movie about, he seems to be some very interested in nostalgia. Right. And like what, mm-hmm. what it does um, to someone, how like helpful or not helpful it can be. Is there a way to like, so he does, I mean, in some ways like he goes back and seems to like get the girl. Right. So like, mm-hmm. it's, it sort of works, but he has to like, do some of that like examination of his own life in the process, I guess. But, yeah. Um,
0: so, so the big question that night is, do you have any critiques of the film? Anything that just made you cringe or didn't work for you?
2: I feel like it holds up pretty well. I, you know, I a lot, sometimes it feels like comedies, especially like it's hard to like jokes just don't last that well. Like, even if you, if I go back and watch like even The Office, which was from like, you know, 2004 or five early episodes of The Office, mm-hmm. I just found like oh, the humor doesn't quite work anymore. It's like such a different context. It just doesn't land the same way. But I find like, um, maybe because I, I don't know why it works exactly. There are like a lot of things in this sort of, like the dark comedy space is again, pretty, is a crowded one, but I think like just maybe it's just the strength of the performances and the writing is good. Um, and it moves. And it's like a, just weird enough, at least in my mind that like, it keeps you interested that it's not just like following beat for beat that like, it's not all that predictable um, that like it, it's still like it works. I, I do, I guess like, I can see the, you know, the acroid critiques to see did not quite fit in like the vibe here. They just want the big name. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like how quickly he like kind of wins Mini Driver's, you know, character back over at the end. I was reading in the, in the, uh, on the Wikipedia page, it said that um, Roger Ebert did not like the, the ending. He found it not clever, not that clever. Yeah. But um, I found, I, I found like the whole thing with him like trying to like, you know, talking to, her and her dad while he's like running away and like trying to have this deep conversation that was just like to me it summed up the movie so well because that was like um this is kind of what it is is that you're you're these these genres coming together this person's life and what he wants his life to be coming together at a point or having to choose um and yeah so it just felt you know that for me it, it made sense to kind of cap it off that way. Yeah.
0: Um, when it kind of goes to the to, to the point that we were making earlier, that that because it's such a good-natured, a good-hearted film, it almost wouldn't have been that if it hadn't have ended some other way. Um, if he hadn't have gotten the girl, or if he hadn't have uh, found a new reason to live, or, or or whatever you want to say is the point of the film, it almost needed that kind of fairy tale ending yeah. uh, in order for it to be kind of good-natured uh from the beginning to the end I'm right sure.
2: i mean and it doesn't take itself too seriously no. right because it does no. that and like it kind of acknowledges its you know craziness i think again as we were saying like when he keeps telling everyone what he does and no one believes him and like it acknowledges that kind of winkingly that it's crazy um but then you you see like so you mentioned tarantino who like i also love right but mm. like there's Tarantino takes himself very seriously, right? What he's huh. doing, this yeah. is like high cinema. This is art. Um, and which is great. And I, and I love it, but there is something nice about like, you people like friends, it feels like friends getting together to like do something fun that they're going to like love making. And like, I just love watching people do that. Like people who are talented doing that. Um, that makes, especially now in life, like, I feel like I with like kids and like the exhaustion of like a pandemic is like, I don't want, I don't want like capital A art very often. I want things that are like carefully crafted and enjoyable and maybe like a little, gives you something to think about, but it's like, you're going to be able to kind of watch it and then go to sleep and uh, then something else. I don't know. It just kind of hit. It just felt like it came right at the right time and and hit the mark for us uh, at this stage of kind of, you know, being stuck in the house for a year.
1: Mm (laughs) it's fun to remember times where you could just hang out with friends, isn't it?
2: Hmm. <laughs> just get together with friends, yeah.
1: be
0: close to each other,
1: you know, even hug uh, each other, you know, Yeah, <laughs> it's right. going to feel like it's been 10 years by the time that uh, yep. we get this. So we'll, we'll all so. be little Martin Blakes. Uh, yeah. It will be interesting.
2: It will be interesting to see like what kind of art comes in the next, like what kind of movies yeah. or music comes in the next 10 years. Like, I mean, I've been amazed that like people have made stuff during this time mm-hmm. um, at all, but like what, like, people kind of processing this over the next, or like even kids now for whom this will be the defining thing of their generation. Like yeah, what exactly. does that look like for them when they're like in 30 years making things about yeah. their, you know, their time, their nostalgia
1: time. Uh, now that's, um, uh, this it feels awful. God, yeah. yeah. And the but, first uh, few movies that have come out on your pandemic with the exception of host host was good. The, the rest have been, not so great so hopefully it'll get a yeah. little bit better i, I do I,
2: I do think like there will be this i just feel it's pent up like i feel like maybe we'll move to this explosion of just like pure joy and release and so you'll see like just very happy funny fun things being done i hope and, so yeah, yeah that's that's what that's what
0: i'll be in the mood for certainly yeah um, our
1: lips to god's ears that's, that <laughs>
0: <one's weird. laughs> so so that brings up a good kind of I, I think this is a good way to kind of round out the the conversation and it gives you a chance knowing what you do for a living. Um, did you find anything about the film to be thematically compelling or did you see any kind of transcendence uh, or any ideas that were capturing you on a uh, more than just an entertainment, an, an entertainment level?
2: Yeah, I do. Th- well, the stuff about nostalgia we're talking about, I think mm-hmm. is interesting and often like, you know, I wonder about, um, the like, what do, what are are we supposed to do with our life? What do we do when we find that like our values and then like what we end up doing don't like perfectly coincide? Like how do we, that kind of cognitive dissonance, like how do we kind of keep doing that like in small ways or big ways? So like, for me, like someone who like, oh yeah, like I don't love market capitalism really. Like I think Amazon is probably like not a great thing, but like I'm getting a new thing on Amazon like every other day, like for myself and for the kids, like it's just so easy. It's brought here. Like, you know, we need some of this stuff to live, but then also like you can justify that in so many different ways. Um, So like, it's just easy to kind of try to like separate out your life. And he does that, right? He's like, I'm going to have my job over here and I want to just keep that. But then like. I want to kind of have a normal life or relationship or whatever, otherwise, um, yeah. then what do you do when those things come into conflict? Right. Like those are, I think that's a big, like modern question. Mm-hmm. Certainly that's like worth wrestling with. Like we, you know, when things aren't like exactly perfectly aligned with your values, do you just like keep going and like not acknowledge that? Or do you have to try to say like, look, like what I say, I believe or I care about and like how I'm living are not necessarily yeah. matching up and I need to like, make some changes maybe um we don't i guess we don't know right it seems like he's not gonna go kill anyone but maybe he is still like they do do they resolve that like they just drive off together right but they They just drive off together yeah so we don't know yeah Um, so we'll do the prequel and then i guess they i saw that like one of the movies he's made is like sort of a light sequel but not really not in the same universe but kind of similar there's a there's
1: a thematic trilogy between say anything uh gross point blank and war inc uh there's there's that you can draw a line between his characters sure there, so yeah and i quite like war Inc. uh it's yeah. it's a divisive movie it is very a kind of a obnoxious piece of a bush era um you know uh, uh, anti era angry yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 but i i think it's quite good and definitely worth checking out if you're it's a good, different vibe than what you just watched sure all I right see the
2: connections yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Put that. Sorry, on
1: de- derailed you. Keep going. I'm no, sorry. no.
2: I think that's. Yeah, I think that that's it. Those are the. That's the. That's the big thing, right? And especially yeah. too. Like we we were talking earlier about like uh, before we start recording about like our our the kids that we all have and thinking about like what yeah what do you want to teach them like what are the values you want to pass yeah. on to them and like what are you modeling and they they're noticing mm-hmm. you doing yeah. and then like. You know, for me to say like, you have to like pay attention and be together, and then I'm on my phone all the time. Yep. Uh, like with them, it's just so easy to grab it. And the three-year-old now is being like, "Daddy, get off your phone!" Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, I'm realizing this, you know, like yeah. this is this is not great. This is not mm-hmm. me living what I you know what I w- want to live. Um, so yeah, I I find his character uh, Martin Blank uh, makes you um, you know stop and think and kind of uh, reflect on those things. So. That's when good. I, a little self-examination.
0: I think you pretty much hit on exactly what he was going for. Uh, the my, my one story about being, you know, quote unquote close to John Cusack was he randomly DM'd me after I mentioned I was writing a 10 page paper on gross point blank. And he asked me, what do you want to know? <laughs> and so like, we had this long, like uh, br- fairly brief conversation, but he basically said like, the point that I kind of had going to the film was that, you know, whenever you have a government who is doing all these things, but says that they're this other thing, like, at what point do we just call a spade a spade? Like, so he's taking basically what you're saying about kind of the, the intimate personal like individual element. And he's kind of bringing it to the geopolitical realm too. And saying like, at what point do we just stop hiding behind the masks that we're wearing? Sure. Um, what make, what's
2: the difference between yeah. uh, like his, you know, his military service and then what he's doing? If he thinks exactly. like the military service is like you know toward immoral ends as well, that's exactly. so interesting. Yeah. That's that's amazing. That's way better than my story. Um, that he just
0: he just wrote to you. Well, so so, so it, it was it was random. I, I I probably I probably put his his uh, his username in the yeah in, yeah yeah or whatever. But yeah, he 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 uh, he even followed me for a month and then unfollowed me. <laughs>
2: uh, this was before the podcast,
0: though. Yes. Yeah. This is like, this is like six years, six, seven
2: years ago. Yeah. He said he missed out
1: yeah well now he's blocked us since we started the podcast because no, 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 who no. in their right mind would start a podcast <laughs> oh so, uh, no,
0: that that's gonna be the peak line. of the podcast that's that's <laughs> what we're aiming for we're you're aiming for getting
2: him yeah. getting him on yeah yeah i'm telling you yeah. now the pandemic was such a great time for that now it's running out but like these people are just sitting around at home nothing else to do yeah. exactly um so that's where you're gonna make your move you also gotta get jenna elfman on who's in this movie i just i've read and
0: yeah and Mini driver and anyone else we can get, Dan oh, Aykroyd. yeah, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, I need yeah. Dan I Aykroyd. Question.
1: I've got questions for him, so <laughs> got <questions> for him. <laughs> I'll buy some crystal skull vodka. And he's uh, well, Dan, Dan
2: Aykroyd thing. was at least like he used to be like a very serious Catholic. I he might have like oh. pursued the priesthood at some point. I'm trying to remember the story. He definitely went to, yeah, yeah, he wanted to be a priest when he was a uh, like a teenager. Okay. So, what okay. so what I'll do is I'll try to get him on my Catholic podcast from that you know, perspective <laughs> and then we'll steer him over to you all. And then you use yeah, that to we'll get, to get, we, yeah. You will no. have to not tell him uh, Joe's thoughts on his character. Yeah, no, that's, but, <laughs> um, but this is, this is how you game it, right? You got to figure yeah, out, get some one you. or you get into like, you get the small, you know, you get like one of the, get like the, the writers or, uh, well, is there is, well, is there any
0: way that you, there, there's some kind of cross promotion way. No, we're not Catholic. That wouldn't quite. Yeah. It's all right. You're, you're still, <laughs>
1: it's all, but I'm going to start that my family. girl podcast where I love his performance and, and, then uh, yeah. so we'll, i'll get him through that
2: way there you go beautiful then then you win him over and you bring him into this and he'll be like oh so touch that he's gonna get to talk to you again about another movie yeah. and then then you're gonna
1: i'm just yeah. gonna open up on him it's like yeah. all right
2: you know destroy just like legend. just like in uh, yeah just like mini driver <laughs> in the movie just like,
1: that's, right. Exactly. Yeah, that's
0: <laughs> right rope him in and we're gonna hash <laughs> this out right now on the air
1: it's exactly <laughs> right <laughs>
0: Well, thank you so much, Mike, for coming on. It was thank a you. it was a real joy, and we uh, we appreciate your time and, and your willingness to do it, even though it was I, such a, a rando moment for you. I,
2: I do I do feel like this has been a dream. Oh, beautiful. Um, this <laughs> did not exist, but I, I will. No, I'm very glad that it worked out and will be excited to uh, share with all my Gen X gross point blank friends um, so they can uh, laugh at me. <laughs> um, as a millennial and this us for the first time in the year of our Lord, 2021. Um, so so thanks so, uh, so much for the invite.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, would you like to let our listeners know where they can find you on the internet or uh, name your podcast or anything anything else you want to promote?
2: Yes. So you can, uh, I'm on Twitter at Mike Lasky, which is L-A-S-K-E-Y, um, but pretty boring. Uh, but my, the podcast that I host is called AMDG, which you can find on uh, wherever you get podcast and we've had a yeah a lot of fun guests on that um so certainly do check that out
0: awesome well that is all for so gross such point much blank we are your hosts blake collier and joe george and just remember this podcast is us
1: Thank you for listening to So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank on the Film Inquiry Podcast Network. If you like what you've heard, head on over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a good review. Every little bit of feedback that we get helps us do more of what we do. Our podcast music comes from Yon's. You can find more of Yon's work at Jansofficial.com, and that's spelled Y-O-N-S. Our podcast music comes from Jeff Hansen. Our podcast artwork comes from Jeff Wyre. You can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at So gross Pod, and that's gross with an E. You can follow Blake on Twitter at Lost in Osmosis. And you can follow Joe on Twitter at JAGeorgeII. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week with more So Gross, Such Point, Much Blank. Bing,
0: <laughs> bing, 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 bang. Popcorn.
1: Yeah, whatever.